Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by SanDisk. Get 15% off your first order of featured products at sandisk.com slash appleinsider. And BetterHelp. Start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash appleinsider. And ExpressVPN. Get three extra months for free when you go to expressvpn.com slash appleinsider. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And joining me this week, our second to last episode of the year, my good friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How are you? You say good friend and all that, but then you throw in that second to last, like he'll do before the big last finale. And, so, and now I'm, I'm, I'm not hurt. No, listen, listen. This is a, uh, what is it? First is the worst, second is the best. You know what I mean? That old adage i'll take anything frankly especially since i have questions for you that you did not answer in your review last time about what it's like having airpod max in real life oh yes oh i'm very excited to hear that well we will get to the airpods max in just a moment i do want to mention that next week for the final episode if you're listening to this you would probably realize it came out a day early this episode actually released christmas eve if you celebrate that december 24th so it's Thursday instead of Friday as you listen. And it's going to be the same next week because, you know, New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, everybody kind of checks out a little bit. So we're releasing next week's episode also Thursday morning, December 31st. And we have a very special episode next week planned. I have an interview with a friend of the show who was on before, and we're going to do a whole year in review and talk about what we loved about this year and not so much, and then what we're looking forward to 2021. So that's a fun interview. That'll be next week. It comes out Thursday morning, December 31st. So keep your your feeds peeled for that. I was going to say eyes peeled, but you don't watch a podcast, William. You, you listen to a podcast. Yeah, especially when they're the big special fun one for the end of the year. Not <laughs> this. No, but watch for that one. No. Okay. They're already listening to this. They're, they're already they're <laughs> sold because when I say William's on the show, everybody gets excited. I don't know if you watch Twitter, William. Oh. Whenever I say, uh, you know, William did this or William said that, everyone's like, oh. Well, of course, we're going to listen to that okay. episode. So you're you're a very popular man. Okay. I've got to give you two. That was a fast, quick save. Very well done. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Yes, you're welcome. Well, actually, you know, this is not even in the notes, but as I recall now, two weeks ago, you previously said that you would never friend me or share your activity data with me in uh, the Apple Watch activity rings or, or Fitness Plus or anything. And then... By some miracle, some holiday miracle, when I requested friendship, even though you told me you wouldn't accept, William, you accepted it. I saw the notification. William accepts your activity request. And now I'd like to know, William, have you tried Fitness Plus and what did you think? Well, I would like to know, which William do you think you've befriended? I only know one William Gallagher as far as I'm concerned, and so I'm pretty sure it's you. Yeah, it was me. I cursed and muttered and about it, but I couldn't resist. I did befriend it, and have I nicely dodged the question? But I'm looking through your activity ring history, and you actually you seem to do pretty good. You're, you're closing some rings there, William. Well, I noticed this week uh, on Monday I dropped my car in for its annual service, and on Tuesday I picked it up. And it's about the only time of the year I have to walk <laughs> a decent oh. distance, and it <laughs> it killed the. It, 
burst the activity rings uh, on both days. And I thought, I'm not going to waste the activity ring on a Fitness Plus session now. It's worthless once you've gone over. So uh, it wasn't for a few days before I tried it. And then I've done a couple of the, the sessions. And I have to say, actually, I, I'm really impressed with how well they do it. Particularly that thing, um, the way they have a main presenter and there are two people behind, one doing it mm-hmm. slower and one doing it faster. I thought that was just so... Such a good idea. So simply, deftly done. I was, yeah. I was impressed. Which which workouts did you do? All the hard ones. Uh, yeah, the really, mm. really long. You did the dance workout, didn't you? Actually, no, because I've got enough room <laughs> no, in front no. of the TV set. <laughs> right, right. Which is also, I haven't done one of the yoga ones yet, because we've got the Christmas tree in the way. I don't want pine mm. needles as I'm uh, doing them. <laughs> but what about you? I get the odd uh, thing that you've had a perfect week, and I don't know if that's just you having a good time. No, no, no. I did. I've done two workouts so far and, and have not picked it up yet. I'd like to. I intend tend to for sure. Maybe this could be a new year's resolution, but, but I did a a strength one and I did a core one. And interestingly enough, I'll mention this in a moment, but we actually got my son an Apple watch SE and we've given it to him already as a, a Hanukkah gift. And so I actually discovered he can do fitness plus on the TV as well. And it's, it's very interesting when you open the the fitness app on Apple TV, if you you know have Fitness Plus and you've updated all your devices to the latest software, it's Apple Watch OS 7.2, TV 14.3. When you open the fitness app, it shows all the Apple Watches that are in range of the Apple TV and you basically choose who's doing the workout. So when we opened up the app, I see my watch, my wife's watch is on there and my son's Apple Watch SE is now on there. Even though he doesn't have a phone, it's set up in the family sharing. He's on there. And so he chose himself and he's actually been doing the Apple Fitness workouts and he actually really enjoys them. And uh, he's closing his rings and everything. So it's a uh, it's gamified that, mm. you know, exercise thing for him. And so he really enjoys it. But it's very interesting, you know, pairing it with a watch, you know, you, you say, yes, it's me doing it. And so it's an interesting experience. Has, has your wife tried it or have you done any kind of a group session? Uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, because uh, Angela's watch is too old. Uh, it has to be Series 3 or up, oh. doesn't it? And she has... Uh, I got a Series 0 that then went wrong and Apple replaced it with a Series 1. And then when I bought a Series 4, right. are you following these numbers? Uh, yes, she I got yes. my uh, Series 1 and is very happy with it. Uh, has no desire to change, but we were planning to do Fitness Plus together until we found that out. So instead, she's just looking at me, waiting for me to lose weight, and then maybe we'll reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. It is unfortunate, you know, the family setup and the Fitness Plus integration, you do you do need a, like a Series 4 or newer, especially for the family sharing, it's unfortunate because I had a Series 3 and I would have handed that down to one of my other kids, but, uh, you know, you need four or newer for family sharing. But anyway, uh, Fitness Plus, it's interesting. Again, if you haven't tried it out, you know, you could do a free trial or, you know, if you have the Apple Services One bundle and you went with a premium plan, you have it and you can just do it. So anyway, interesting. I just wanted to tell our listeners that that you actually did confirm friendship and that made me feel great. Thank you, William. (laughs) I appreciate it. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Apple car. Now, obviously there's not a lot of information here. And so this is more pontificating about it. But what's interesting is when I actually first started the Apple Insider podcast, like back in 2015, this was actually the big news. And it was actually Apple Insider who broke the story about Project Titan, you know, codename Project Titan, and that Apple was working on self-driving car technology, electric car. And now it's actually increasing in rumors again, you know, Ming-Chi Kuo saying Apple's going to release a car between 
you know, 2022 and 2025. Reuters had a report about the Apple car. And now we've covered again. I'll put the link in show notes. But rumors heating up. I think it's pretty clear that Apple has worked and is doing work on some kind of battery, electric car, and self-driving technology. But I just find this, of all the rumors about Apple, this is just the hardest one for me to wrap my head around. The fact that Apple might make a car, it is such a different area. And I guess you could have said that about fitness a few years ago before the Apple Watch was released, that that was a you know a different market, one they're not near. But Apple releasing a car, I don't know. You know, some of the rumors saying it's obviously going to have some kind of electrical self-driving component, but that Apple's working on new battery technology, maybe working on a different chemistry of how the batteries are actually made and what it's running off of. So that's interesting. I, I saw this tweet from MKBHD, and he was saying, you know, if Apple's working on an electric car, the rumored release date is 2024. So just about three, three and a half years from now that Apple would release this thing. He's He had four points. Like if this is actually true, he's thinking one, it's going to be extremely expensive for a car. I think that's safe to say. Uh, two, you know, debut with plans for a charging network, that Apple would have some kind of charging network that they talk about with the launch of the car. Three, MKBHD says that it'll probably have the best software in any car, which I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> and I thought this one was funny. Four, it's only going to have lightning ports inside the car, <laughs> which I, I cannot abide that. I don't think that, uh, that that would be true. But I don't know, William, tell me, what do you feel about this whole deal about maybe Apple's going to release a car in a few years? I do completely believe it. I mean, I know uh, Mike Wesley on Apple Insider has often argued that all of the clues, uh, the regulatory filings that have to happen, the patents that have been filed for it. They could equally point to their Apple providing technology to another company or maybe doing like shuttle bus services rather than a, a car for a consumer, if you like. But I, I have no problem with Apple doing this whole thing. It feels in a way part of everything they do, except that bit about the charging network. Unless they put a charger in every Apple store, they <laughs> enticed you in to buy things. Free charge with every HomePod right. Mini. Actually, no, I'm convincing myself here. Yeah, uh, I see. And will they sell the plug for the Apple Car with the car? <laughs> that's that's the question. And how many watts is it going to require? Yes. But you know, I, of course, I'm, I would always be interested in something that Apple makes, but. I can't imagine it would be that much more expensive than like a Tesla. I mean, you can get a Model 3 right now, you know, around what, 40 grand or something, uh, which is not cheap. You know, it's on par with other brand new cars. Uh, my father-in-law actually has a Tesla Model S, uh, but he bought it pre-owned. Uh, he bought it last year, but it's a 2014 or 2015 model. But he loves it, you know, and they say those things will last for a long time. Hard to know because they haven't been around for a very long time. But, uh, you know, I would definitely be curious. I currently do drive a lot uh, here in Central Florida. There's not really public transport and you do have to drive all over the place. Uh, but cars is not something, you know, I'm, I'm never really itching for a new car, but I would love to have some kind of self-driving electric car one day. I have to imagine, though, that they would partner with some manufacturer for the car. Like, I don't imagine Apple's going to develop an entire factory just for the car. Like, I have to imagine they would partner with some other manufacturer, maybe foreign, maybe domestic, uh, that they'll help them build it, though. Because I, I, that kind of overhead and, and just assembly thing, I mean, this is what Tim could specializes at, is the operations and manufacturing and all that. But I don't know. I have to imagine they'll partner with somebody, right? I suppose so. I, I would, uh, there's a phrase here in the UK, I don't know if it's in the US, about, about uh, petrol heads. 
uh, people who are obsessively <laughs> mad on cars, and and I am not. Right. I would have told you zero interest. But for whatever reason, uh, I did have a test drive and a Tesla, and now I want one. But I remember uh, the sales guy uh, saying, you know, uh, lane control and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, like I'm ever going to take my eyes off the road. And then he was pointing out the radio to me and I realised I hadn't looked at the road for 30 seconds. I'd already <laughs> trusted the car for it. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say sold, but since I can't afford 40000 yeah, uh, on the car, I'm not yet. But conceptually... So yeah, I can. I I'm sure Apple will go more expensive uh, than Tesla, but they will find a way that you will feel it's worth it. There will be something there. So I think it's with all Apple things. It's, if it's worth it to you, the price is not bad. It's just they're very clever at positioning it at exactly the price point they want. Like the AirPods Max, for example, too expensive for most people, but just right for everybody who needs that. They'll do the same with the car. Sure. Well. My only ask is if someone buys an Apple car, please throw in some more iCloud storage for that person. <laughs> because honestly, there are probably people out there that would buy an Apple car before they would buy more iCloud storage because yes. they just don't understand what it does. So that is my only ask. Firstly, I'm waiting for the Android car. That's going to be the one. Oh, yeah. no, no. That thing will just, it, it'll crash all the time. <laughs> you, you don't want that. Sorry. Sorry if we have any Android listeners. This episode is brought to you by SanDisk. We all know how easy it is to run out of space on your phone. Maybe you wish you would have gotten a larger iPhone storage when you got it. Or maybe you just have that family member that refuses to pay for iCloud storage and they keep running out of space on their phone. Well, there's a new product from SanDisk that I think will help both you and your friends and family solve that storage issue on your iPhone. SanDisk now makes the iExpand flash drive. And this is a two-in-one drive that has a lightning port on one side and a USB port on the other side that you can plug into your Mac or PC. And with their iExpand app, you can actually auto backup and you can save all of your photos and videos to this drive right on your iPhone and then plug it into a computer later. It is super easy. And if you have lots of photos and videos, you can actually get an iExpand flash drive from 128 gigs up to 256 gigabytes of storage. I shoot a lot of photos and video on my phone. Sometimes it's for Apple Insider or maybe it's just family videos. And if I start running out of space because I'm recording in 4K, you know, those take up a lot of room on your iPhone. I can just plug the iExpand flash drive right into my iPhone, copy those photos and videos over, and then copy them to my Mac. It's way faster than AirDrop, especially if they're large files. You know, a lot of times AirDrop might start failing if you're trying to send long length videos and such. And so the iExpand flash drive works great for that. And I also love it because it integrates directly with the Files app, both on your iPhone and iPad. So you can see the iExpand flash drive right there in the Files app. And even if you have plenty of space on your phone, think about all the family and friends that you might have that are running out of space, especially after the holidays because they've taken lots of photos and video. Get them one of these so they can back up their photos. And if they're not paying for iCloud, at least you can know that those photos are backed up somewhere else besides on their phone. So take my advice. Start freeing up space on your phone with SanDisk today. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order of featured SanDisk products, but only when you go to SanDisk dot com slash Apple Insider. That's S-A-N-D-I-S-K dot com slash Apple Insider for 15% off featured products. Don't wait. That's SanDisk.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to SanDisk for sponsoring this episode. All right, well, I wanted to follow up a little bit on the AirPods Max. I've had it for a week, and on last week's episode, we really 
went in depth. Uh, Wes and I talked about sound quality and all that, but a couple things that after living with them for a little bit, I just wanted to mention. Uh, number one, the aux cable that I got. I mentioned it briefly, but it is a very thin cable. I'm a little concerned about its <laughs> structural integrity. But now that I've recorded multiple podcasts with the AirPods Max hardwired, I do hear the very, very minor uh, latency where my voice in my own AirPods Max ears as I'm recording even right now, it does sound like there's a little bit like a reverb on me. So it is not perfectly zero latency. And so if you do want to consider them for recording purposes, you just need to keep that in mind. There is, it's just a tiny, tiny bit. It doesn't distract as I'm talking, but it does sound like I have some reverb on my voice and it's a little weird. Secondly, this is a another first world problem of, as far as charging. But, you know, I got the MagSafe Duo Charger at my house. I talked about that. I, I've been enjoying it for charging my Apple Watch, my iPhone, and my AirPods. I charge it on that little my little thing there. But on my nightstand, I'd narrowed it down to the MagSafe Duo and a USB-C cable, which I charge both my iPad Pro and my new M1 MacBook Pro. And that basically between the MagSafe Duo and that USB-C cable, I can charge all my devices. You know, I plug my iPad or MacBook in for a couple hours, it's good to go. And I charge overnight with the phone on the MagSafe and I put the Apple Watch on there every once in a while. Charging was great. But now that the AirPods Max have been introduced into my life, uh, I've brought this upon myself. It's, it's no one else's fault. Now, I don't know the ideal way or where to charge these. I, I plug them every, I want to plug them in for a couple hours somewhere. I don't have a lightning cable on my desk setup because I just never really charge my phone there. So I'm at a cross between what I've been doing is unplugging my MagSafe Duo charger, taking the end of that lightning cable and plugging it into the AirPods Max and doing that whenever I need to charge the AirPods Max, which is inelegant. And after the durability test that Apple Insider did on the MagSafe Duo, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be messing with that a bunch. So I either unplug and plug in the AirPods Max and MagSafe Duo every couple days, or do I put another charging brick and lightning cable by my nightstand and have it basically just to charge the AirPods Max when I need it. And so I have this superfluous cable uh, most of the time or not. And so while this is a very, very silly issue, I do feel like I wish, again, going to the fact that I wish Apple would put USB-C on more things. I do wish it was USB-C so I could use that cable, which I charge my iPad and MacBook with. I could have just charged the Macs. But instead, now I have to figure out what to do with this lightning cable and, and the AirPods Max. I'm trying to think. Uh, you've got the AirPods Max and you've got the the bra, the, the case for it. Can you charge the case <laughs> yes, yes. during the day uh -huh. and then just pop your AirPods Max into it overnight. Um, no, you don't. The, the case doesn't charge. Oh, right. I, th I thought it might be like AirPods uh, Pro and things. No, no. Oh, right. No, that would case. be ideal. Yeah, it would be good. Okay. <laughs> hmm. the, yeah, if Apple had made that full hard shell case, I mean, that would be uh, that'd be nice. But no, no, none of that. So You need underwire. That's what you need that conducts electricity. Yeah. Sorts this out. That's right. Okay. So you, you said about the thinness of the, the cable, but I, realize, I don't know how long it is. Um, as short as you can possibly get. I think it's like three feet. Oh, right. It's, it's uh, t that two meters, three feet length. Okay. And uh, I mean, you can always use a headphone extension, but it would be nice if it was a little longer, if they had a longer option for, you know, $75 yeah. or so. That'd be nice. Now, a couple things that features or things you can do with the AirPods Max that we didn't talk about last week. Number one, Chris on Twitter was tweeting at me that, 
he wants to get the AirPods Max, but he's not sure, you know, if it will work with other devices. Like he has a PS5 and was wanting to use the AirPods Max for all of his listening. So would it work? And you can, in fact, pair the AirPods Max with non-Apple devices and use them just like a Bluetooth headset or Bluetooth headphones. And so there's an article on Apple support page. I'll put a link in show notes. But basically with the AirPods Max, the button that transitions it from noise canceling to transparency mode. All you do is hold that button down on the AirPods Max and it goes into a normal Bluetooth pairing mode and then you can connect it to whatever you want. You can connect it to an Android phone, you connect it to a PC or a video game system. And the PS5 does in fact offer Bluetooth pairing for audio. And so you could use your AirPods Max with your PS5. So just a word for anyone who's wondering about that, you can pair it like normal Bluetooth headphones. And I'll put that support article in show notes. And a couple other things you can do in your iPhone, uh, when you go to the AirPods Max settings, which if they're connected to your iPhone, you go to Bluetooth, you hit the little eye icon next to the AirPods Max, you can do things like reversing the digital crown direction. So if you want raising volume to be one direction opposite than what it is stock, you can actually change the direction of the digital crown and how that responds. And you can also do things like disable head detection. So with the AirPods Max, if you like lift one ear cup, it will pause whatever it's doing. Or if you put them down around your neck, it'll pause the music and then put it back on your head. Kind of like taking one AirPod out if you have AirPods. So it's a cool feature for sure. But if you want to disable those things, you can do it. And Andrew had a great video and article about all those little features and things you can adjust. And so I'll put that link in show notes as well. If you want to mess around with some of those settings to get your AirPods Max just like you want it, check that out in the show notes. Do you have any other AirPods Max questions or thoughts? I'm wondering how the color affects the things. So I have seen a couple things on Twitter where people had the mint green one and it was getting dirty. Uh, The white one, I haven't seen much on Twitter, but it seems like that would also be get dirty quickly. So while you did try to convince me to get the blue ones Mm -hmm. and those might be less offensive or less dirtying, dirtyable. What's the right word there for it? It's it's uh, dirty making, uh, gross. It'd be less gross. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually glad I went with the space gray because obviously the black is going to show the least amount of dirt and detritus. You know, probably less have to clean it or anything. Apple doesn't really give cleaning instructions or like what you should or shouldn't use on them. All you can do is buy more ear cups, but you can't replace the mesh headband. And that's what seems to be affecting, uh, you know, some people who use like oil and different products in their hair. It's getting on that mesh headband and not looking great. And they're not really sure how to get it off. So, yeah, it's unfortunate there. Never thought of that. I was kidding about it. I just thought, you know, you can fit the audio sounds better through the blue ones. That's I'm convinced of that. Um, But you actually have a serious point there. (laughs) I did a juke on yes, that joke. Yes, you did. You yes. did. That's it then. Uh, that's why I'm not buying AirPods Max. Oh, I see. You've sorted me. I actually got really, really tempted listening to you on last week's episode. They sound so good. I really <laughs> want them. 549. It's not that much. Yes, it is. No, it is. Yes, it is. No. Yeah. But, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is, you know, and... You know, I was telling someone else on Twitter, I think I was telling Chris this on Twitter as well. I was already in the market for over-the-ear headphones because I didn't have a good pair. And if you're in that kind of situation, it's a little easier to justify, especially if you use them for production. Mm. Again, latency aside, I'm using these every time I record a podcast. I'm using them right now. And when I edit the podcast, I'm using them there. And I want to 
something to be able to reference what I'm editing. So when I EQ or do any kind of sound adjustments that I'm getting an accurate picture of what it is I'm listening to. And, and you know, there's good wired headphones you can get over the ear that are cheaper. But again, Apple, there's no headphone jack on the iPad Pro. So it kind of makes it a little more difficult to use that kind of stuff. So these were just a good solution for me because I'm going to use them in my podcast recording and editing. And then it's just a lot of fun to, to watch a movie or listen to something with them as well. So it was worth it for me, but to each his own, William. Maybe if you send me your iPad like you've been promising, I could sell that and buy these. I don't remember ever uh, promising. And I know you're saying it a lot. <laughs> you're playing this, this Jedi mind trick on me. But anyway. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online counseling service that is super easy to use, convenient, and protects your privacy all at the same time. Do you have something interfering with your happiness or maybe something's preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and it all happens online and virtually. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, so it's super convenient. You don't have to go anywhere physically. You don't have to wait in a waiting room or show up in person. Everything is online, and you can start communicating with someone in under 24 hours. And this isn't just self-help. This is professional counseling. Now, let me tell you, I've done counseling in the past before, but I personally signed up for better help. I love their sign-up process because it's super easy, and they ask all the right questions when you're creating your account to make sure they match you with a counselor that will fit your needs. Even if you have a religious persuasion or a spiritual side, you can actually put that in the sign-up process, and they'll match you with someone that will match your preferences. And BetterHelp also has an app that you can download on your iPhone and you can communicate with your counselor one-on-one -on -one in the messages right there on your iPhone. You get push notifications. And so it works great in the app or online. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. And the service is available for clients worldwide. There's a broad range of expertises available. Whether you struggle with depression, stress, anxiety, maybe sleeping, anger, family conflicts, grief, or self-esteem, BetterHelp will match you with someone who is specialized in that area. Anything you share is confidential, and the whole process is convenient, professional, and affordable. You can even check out testimonials posted daily on their website. If you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Apple Insider. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Apple Insider. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. I want to touch a little bit on Apple Watch. Like I mentioned earlier, I got my son an Apple Watch SE uh, in lieu of any kind of iPhone device. You know, I know some kids get iPhones very early and I'm trying to push that off, kick the ball down the field to use a sports ball analogy. And so I, I did the Apple Watch SE and uh, he was very excited to get it. You know, I went with the 40 millimeter cellular, obviously, so it would work with the family setup. And so I got that. He opened it up. Uh, we set it up. Family setup. On the iPhone, it was actually pretty seamless. I didn't run into any issues. So you basically go to the watch app on your iPhone, you as the adult or parent, you set up a new watch basically, and then you can choose family setup as opposed to a new watch for yourself. And when you do it, you can choose to connect it with an iCloud ID or a family member in your family sharing. 
And so that was actually one of the things I needed to do was kind of jostle family members around because I had parents and in-laws in my iCloud family, but you're only allowed six maximum in your family sharing for your iCloud stuff. And in order to do the Apple Watch family setup, the child needs to be in your family. So I separated all that. And uh, my kids asked me this question that came across as, <laughs> it felt really bad. But they were like, so are we in the family now? And they were referring to like the iCloud family. But I was like, you've always been a part of this family, child. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't feel bad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they, they knew what they were asking. But as they said it, I was like, oh, that feels terrible. Because I did have one of them in this like secondary iCloud family sharing. And it's just a long story. But anyway, maybe I'll one day explain how I had to do all that with a secondary iCloud family, and but you can do a Apple Music sharing the ID of someone in the family with an iCloud email. That's it's very complicated. This is again, hopefully, one of my asks for 2021 or in the future. Maybe can Apple up the amount of family members just a little bit? Right now, it's six, including you as the family creator and admin. Maybe like eight. Maybe nine. I don't know. Just a thought. So anyway, Apple Watch SE, I did the family setup. I chose uh, my son's iCloud. It was already in there because they're a part of the family. And I set it up. I was even able to add it to the AT&T plan. You know, it's $10 a month. It's unlimited data, but it is $10 a month for the Apple Watch add-on. And so I was able to do that. I signed into my AT&T account. It got added to the account automatically. They gave it a phone number, all that kind of stuff. And went through the rest of the process, pretty seamless. And it was all set up. So it's on his iCloud account. He can text, he can call, and it comes across as him and he can contact us. And then it also has GPS. So that's sharing his location. I can see him and find my, it's really good. Now, a couple things that we did run into that I wasn't expecting. And when you do an Apple Watch set up in family sharing, and I thought this would be timely because if, you know, people are giving Apple Watches out for holiday gifts, you might be setting it up this way. There are apps that you can download directly on the Apple Watch because the App Store is on there. You know, that was a recent thing. I'm not sure if it was watchOS 6 or 7, but the App Store is right there. And my son can actually download some apps directly to the watch, not having an iPhone. Uh, and it still sends a request to me as the parent and I approve it. But there are a lot of apps that will refuse to download because they say they require the iPhone app. So for example, uh, some fitness apps, even though they can be installed on the Apple Watch and the Apple Watch has the health information on it, they'll just say not available without an iPhone. And so there's a whole range of apps that my son thought he could get, but you cannot because he does not have an iPhone. He's got an iPad on his iCloud account, but you can't pair an Apple Watch with an iPad. You can only pair it with an iPhone. And with the family sharing thing, because he doesn't have an iPhone connected to his iCloud, he's not allowed to download some of these apps. So that was kind of an interesting thing that you can't get all the apps because he doesn't have an iPhone. So that's one thing. And also sleep tracking. You know, he has all the fitness features. He's got his activity rings. He can set his move, exercise, and stand goals. He can do Fitness Plus on the TV with his Apple Watch. But he cannot do sleep tracking with the watch. And that was actually something we were kind of wanting him to be able to do. But because there's not an iPhone connected to that specific Apple Watch, there's no sleep tracking built into the watch from Apple. And you cannot download a sleep tracking app like Sleep Plus Plus to the watch and use it. And, you know, a lot of those third-party apps, they're really just using like heart rate information and move and accelerometer information to judge whether or not you're in deep sleep or light sleep. So you would think it could work, but 
Again, because there's not an iPhone connected, you cannot do sleep tracking on an Apple Watch set up in the family setup way instead of like directly pairing it with an iPhone. That's a little weird. And finally, school time, which is Apple's feature to kind of help kids focus during the morning and only let them use it later. I had set it up to a certain time. And then my son was like, you know, I can just dismiss this and use the watch like normal, right? And I said, really? And he said, well, you can dismiss it and you can use the watch like normal. And when it goes to sleep, the next time you turn on the screen, it's back in school time mode and I just have to dismiss it again. So I don't think I have a setting wrong there, but apparently school time, it's a deterrent, but it's not like a block for the user, the kid of the watch. Like, I guess they can dismiss it and it's really just an annoyance because they would have to dismiss it every time they turn on their watch face. So some strange things there with family setup. Again, in 2021, maybe a next watch OS. I'd love to see some of those things improve on the Apple Watch. I'm a bit disappointed with that. But that, that thing about um, the apps that uh, your son can't use, is that clear before he goes to buy them? Are you notified? Yeah, when, when he's browsing the App Store on the Apple Watch, if he taps a certain app, it, there won't be a get option. Oh, right. Like the, okay. the get button is grayed out and it says only available with iPhone. Uh, so yeah, it is obvious before you download it. Well, that's something, but it's still... I don't know what went wrong with the App Store for the Apple Watch, but it's like developers tried it, it didn't work very well, so they went away. And Apple, it was I think it was last year, so WatchOS 6, ta-da, here's the App Store. But a very limited kind of diet Apple Store. And I think they hoped developers would rush to fill it with things and they don't appear to have going by things like that. So the watch just doesn't seem to be attracting apps the way, well, nothing attracts them the way the iPhone does. So Right, for sure. Yeah, just the, the whole family setup, well, well, I'm glad it's there and it is a brand new feature. I mean, this just came out in September, October with all the new watchOS and iOS stuff. Uh, I would like to see it mature a little bit. And while I, I kind of understand why Apple only lets you pair an Apple Watch with an iPhone, I do kind of wish you could do it with an iPad as well. Because my, my middle son, he has an iPad, but doesn't have an iPhone. But I, I bought my wife a new Apple Watch recently. And so she had a Series 2. And she was going to let my middle son just wear it to use it. But we can't do the family sharing setup because it can't be updated to the latest watchOS. You need a Series 4 or newer to do the family sharing. So I can't set up his Apple Watch Series 2 in family sharing. And I can't pair it with a device that has his iCloud account because he doesn't have an iPhone. And I don't have an old iPhone I can like dedicate to his iCloud account. And it can't pair with an iPad. There's no Apple Watch app for iPad. So it's a little weird. And again, I kind of get it-ish why you need an iPhone, but, but then not really. You know, if you have an Apple Watch with cellular data and GPS, and you already have an iCloud account, and you have an iPad, and you have an Apple Watch and family sharing setup, I feel like there should be a little more a synergy, or you'd be able to do the same kinds of things with an Apple Watch just paired to an iPhone itself. Like there shouldn't be app or sleep tracking limitations. So I don't know, listeners, let me know if you've set up an Apple Watch and family sharing and you've run into this issue or if you found ways around it. I'm very curious to know and because uh, this was a new experience for me. So so reach out, tweet at me. Again, William and I, our Twitter handles are in the show notes. So I'd love to hear from you. One listener question, this is actually from Christopher Erickson, kind of going along with the Apple Watch theme. Uh, he was has a new watch and a new phone. And so he was wondering, what's the best way to upgrade both of these devices, you know, at the same time? And this is kind of like a Pandora's box. Like when you, when you unpair an Apple Watch, who knows what's going to happen? Like it's kind of, it can be kind of uh, iffy. But uh, here's my recommendation. If you, if you have a new Apple Watch and a new iPhone, 
Here's what I recommend you do. Step one, unpair the current Apple Watch, the old Apple Watch, from your current iPhone. And when you unpair that older Apple Watch, it actually creates a backup as it's unpairing to your phone. And so you can then restore from that backup with the new watch. So I would unpair the old Apple Watch first to your iPhone. Then I would back up that old iPhone. You can do the iCloud backup, that works great. Or you can also back it up directly to your Mac if you prefer to do that. So unpair old Apple Watch, back up old iPhone. Then step three, I would then take the new iPhone and migrate to that. You, you know, Apple's migration tools are actually very good now for iOS and iPhone. So you can just do it holding them next to each other and they'll transfer directly, or you can restore from that iCloud backup. I would transfer it directly if you could. And so set up that new iPhone from your backup, from your old iPhone, and let that be totally set. Once that new iPhone is all set up, then I would pair your new Apple Watch with that new iPhone, and it should, because that backup carries over, it should then restore the new Apple Watch with your old Apple Watch settings right from the phone. And so your new iPhone, now paired with your new Apple Watch, restored from the Apple Watch backup you created when the old one unpaired, and you should have your new iPhone and your new watch all set up and ready to go. So that would be the order I recommend uh, if you have a new watch and a new phone and you want to do it right. How'd I do, William? Does that sound good? Uh, not only do I agree with every syllable you just said, the only thing I would add is to beg people to do it in that sequence. <laughs> I can't remember quite now how this happened, but when I uh, gave my Series 1 watch to Angela, she gave her Series 0 to my sister-in-law, and uh, I didn't realise you had... Oh, I don't know why I didn't realise you, didn't, you should have to unpair your watch, but it was murderously difficult for some reason trying to get all of these devices sorted out again. I was like, borrow everybody's phones and say come back later <laughs> basically the, the worst thing you can do is upgrade your iphone without unpairing your apple watch first because you can pair multiple watches to an iphone but you can't have multiple phones connected to an apple watch so if you try to upgrade your iphone first and now all your stuff is on the new iphone you can't just pair it now with the old Apple Watch. It might carry over, but in my experience, it's not consistent. And so, yeah, I always recommend unpair the old Apple Watch first so it backs up and it's ready to pair with whatever new device you have coming in next. So that is my recommendation, Christopher. Hope that helps. Let us know how it goes. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. How did you choose which internet service provider to use in your home? The sad thing is most of us has very little choice. I'll tell you for me personally, I have exactly one choice for high-speed internet. And unfortunately, ISPs use that monopoly in the regions they serve to institute data caps or streaming throttles, and the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and sell that data to other companies and advertisers. So to prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity, I protect all my devices with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is a simple app. You can get it on your iPhone, iPad, your Mac, even some smart TVs and wireless routers, and it encrypts all of your network data, tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your internet service provider can't see your activity. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked by ISPs and other advertising companies, and they sell your information for a profit. That's why I use ExpressVPN, and I recommend it to everyone who's wanting to protect their data. You just download the ExpressVPN app, 
You tap one button on your device and you're protected automatically. It's incredibly easy to use and I use it on all my devices. And ExpressVPN does this without slowing your internet connection. You can stream HD video without issue using ExpressVPN. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Apple Insider to get three extra months free when you sign up. Go to expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider right now to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for protecting my data and for sponsoring this episode. So real quick, this is a, a rumored article. I'll, I'll put the link in show notes, but it looks like Apple is maybe investigating, finally adding multiple user support to iOS. And this would be, I think, huge, especially if you have kids. Having multiple users on an iPad would be extremely helpful. You know, and there are ways to do this in like the education setup in certain ways with profiles, but it's not anything consumer available right now. So I would love for multiple users to come to iOS, especially for the iPad. Uh, do you think there would be good use cases for this? Oh, clearly, uh, even though personally it would be no use to me, except I just want to be very careful about this. This came from uh, one of Apple's patents, and whenever Apple patents anything, they try to describe it as covering every conceivable possibility in the world, rather than being so specific that anybody could possibly steal it, I suppose, for a too strong a word, but uh, use it without being caught at. They want Apple wants everything nailed down. So it never says iOS, never says iPhone. It repeatedly says uh, tablet device, smartphone device, but also Macs and desktops and all this stuff. It's like um, constantly covering everything. But of course, the Mac has multiple user things. So what's left but iOS. And a giant part of it is actually, forget the device, it's how to keep it secure, how to stop one user from seeing the other. And I've got to admit, the detail was utterly beyond me. There were terms I'd never heard of in security before, but they were utterly fascinating. I've spent a long time in Wikipedia (laughs) educating myself on this (laughs) stuff. Uh, So I am certain, absolutely certain, this is a a patent um, that has been explicitly designed for iOS, but you never quite no. Plus, um, I looked back into it. In 2013, Apple, uh, uh, they at least applied for a similar patent that would have got multiple users on Touch ID. And we got multiple mm. fingers, which I don't think is the same thing. So they're, they're clearly trying, and I don't know what stops them, but hopefully, yes, you, you're right. There are so many possibilities for use cases that are uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, and I understand there would be complications like with iCloud storage. You know, if you have an app like Notability, you know, if you're taking apps or handwritten notes, there would have to be the one user side that saves their documents. So when they open Notability, they see their stuff and vice versa with the other user. But again, this works on Mac just fine. Mm. You have multiple Apple IDs with different iMessages and email accounts and everything syncing. So again, now that we have Apple Silicon Macs and the M1 Max and all that, you know, they could do it on that Apple Silicon. Surely they could probably do it on a new iPad. Maybe that'll be one of the features that we see in 2021. But we'll we'll get to what we hope to see in 2021 in a moment. I do want to touch on Apple first Facebook. Not anything new, really, but we commented on it last week. And again, Facebook is 
uh, trying, you know, they attacked Apple and a couple of full page ads, which were kind of hilarious. And I just thought this article <laughs> was funny. I'll put the link in show notes, but the Electronic Frontier Foundation uh, basically called Facebook out and they said Facebook's attack against Apple's anti-tracking initiative is a, quote, laughable campaign. And it totally is. I mean, you know, Facebook saying that Apple is hurting small businesses. It's so ridiculous. And we, we explained it last week, but uh, I know, William, you probably reported on on this a couple of times, but what, what was your feeling about those, those full-page ads? Facebook's got our back. That's what it is. It's nothing <laughs> to do with it losing money. No, that's, that's by the by. It's, it's looking out for the, the real victims in this. No, it's uh, complete nonsense. And I find it insulting that they could even try, but that seems to be the way of it now. Uh, I remember when politicians used to lie, but at least they were clever about it. Now it's, now nah, whatever. I mean, I might, that might be a very UK perspective. Um, we've, we have a thing right at the moment where there are uh, 900 lorries uh, stuck uh, trying to get to France with food exports and imports and things like that. And the government has been saying it's 170. Yeah, so it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's not even close, <laughs> is it? Uh, so, yeah, uh, wow. Facebook, they're just following a trend, aren't they? Uh, say it, see what happens. Yeah. But I thought it's very significant that it's in newspapers because I had to Google what a newspaper was and <laughs> I used to work on them. So, yeah, it's who are they really aiming at? Probably the same people who have that... Um, incredible grasp of technology and the nuances of social mm. media that are going to be uh, <laughs> setting up regulations and legal limits soon. You know, what's interesting, I think I heard Neil I talk about this on the Verge podcast, but if they would have done just digital ads, you know, if you would have just seen some Facebook ads around the internet, it probably would have gotten a lot less coverage. But the fact that it was a full page newspaper ad, not only will both the people who read newspapers see it. But of course, everyone's going to cover it because it's kind of hilarious that they're doing this and it's a full page ad. So if they were going to try and reach the most people and get coverage about it, I don't know. I feel like a full page newspaper ad did the trick because everybody talked about it. You know, all the, you know, The Verge and we and everybody talked about the full page newspaper ads and whoever reads the newspaper also saw it. And honestly, probably didn't hear the commentary on it that the tech industry did. You know, if there's some Wall Street person that read the newspaper and saw that full page ad, they probably have no other context for it. And they might be kind of gullible in reading it. And they didn't hear us talk about it or they didn't hear anybody else say how Facebook is crazy for framing it like this. But I don't know. Uh, for all things I don't give Facebook credit for, I'll give them credit that the full-page newspaper ad might have been the right play uh, to get the word out. That's a startlingly good point. Yes. Okay. That's uh, upset me now and worried me. You, you, you're clearly right. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just true. I mean, because, you know, Facebook, you see their stuff all the time and it's just white noise, you know. I don't know if you see Facebook ads on Instagram or vice versa. I will say, I don't know if you've gotten this too, but I've deleted the Facebook app off my phone, but I still have Instagram. And they are trying super hard to get me to merge my messaging because they want both Facebook and Instagram messages and DMs to all go to the Messenger app. And I, I've been resisting heartily. But every time I open my Instagram DMs, there's a big banner on top saying, use our new messaging in Facebook Messenger. And then I've been resisting. Have you seen that at all or do you use that? No, I, I have an Instagram account, uh, but I haven't used it in ages. Um, I've noticed some changes in Facebook Messenger and a friend who uh, runs a podcast where she gets audio sent to her is telling me she can no longer get the audio for some 
change. So when I go in, it now tells me certain features are disabled to comply with the EU. And I don't know what's affecting her uh, for all of this. So I'm kind of conscious it's, it's changed, but I don't like Messenger. I use it because other people do. So uh, if it goes away, you know, let it, really. Yeah. That was harsh. I'm sorry. Very harsh, but fair. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all right. It's all right. All right, well, let's round up the show. I want to hear, William. We're going to do a big recap next week and the year in review, but, but you, William, because you you are the special guest this week. You are the special co-host. <laughs> Stop it. This week. Very, okay. very special. All right, okay. Very special. I want to hear your picks of the year. Basically, if you have a favorite app or service from this past year that you just love or couldn't live without or saw launch and loved it, love to hear that. And then maybe your biggest want for 2021, not including my old <laughs> iPad Pro. That is that is what I want to hear uh, from you, William. So give it to me. What are your picks of the year? Easy. Otter.ai. So an app and a service for dictation. I was doing this job where uh, there were 20 interviews had to be done. I, I actually conducted 12 of them and some friends did the other eight and they sent me their videos it was all to be done online video stuff and in the middle of transcribing the tape for number 16 i just couldn't take it anymore winding the tape back typing a couple of words winding the tape just so i looked up this thing i'd vaguely heard about it's called otter.ai and um i have never transcribed an interview since Plus, uh, I suppose I can tell you this because it's only us here, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, article 17 took me precisely half the time to write that Article 16 did because the transcription was so much quicker. Wow. I, mean, I know you can get transcription in Siri, but what Otter does is it embeds the audio with it. So you're looking at a page full of text, and if it, if it isn't quite right or you're just not sure, you can tap on a word and it will play that part of the interview straight away. So it's really clear what's going on. Plus, um, obviously, given the current situation, a lot of interviews I do have been phone interviews. I leave my iPad next to the speakerphone, and when I hang up, it has transcribed the interview. And so I, I did a wow. book once with 50 interviews and laboriously slogged through it. Uh, I could hug otter.ai and will as soon as we're able to do any hugging. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So... Have you had experience with like dragon dictation and such? Yes, very disappointed with dragon dictation. I mean, now it's kind of walked out on, on the Mac. It's left us behind. It's abandoned us. But even when it was working, my very first thought was, it, it is supposed to be for people writing. It is supposed to be people who want to uh, control their computer as they're writing. So there's lots of great stuff in there about move the cursor up a paragraph, delete this word. And that's that's very impressive. But the actual dictation stuff, you have to train uh, it to know your voice. And uh, my primary use would be for transcribing interviews. So, of course, it's a different voice every time. And it would never, ever cope with two voices as soon as, I mean, if I tried to start it after I'd asked a question, it might get a few words in, but then it wouldn't recognise me. Then if it ever caught my voice as well on the tape, it'd go, well, no, I'm not doing this. There's two there. Forget that. I'm off. <laughs> so I came to loathe Dragon Dictates. And uh, I don't know how long Otter's been around, uh, but I wish I'd found it a few years ago. Interesting. I'd not heard of this. That's a, that is a great pick. Very cool. I should say, actually, just while we're talking about it, uh, so it's Otter, O-T-T-E-R dot A-I. Uh, there's a free version which is very generous i think it does like 60 minutes of dictation and you can drag in audio or video files two or three of them i think and then for 9.99 a month it'll do yeah 600 minutes of anything and any number of files and stuff. so what i tend to do is i use a free one most of the time and then when i've got a month with a lot of interviews i subscribe it's amazing value very cool well i'm gonna cheat i'm gonna do two 
picks. And these are ones that I don't mention in next week's episode. I've really started using them more uh, this year. Actually, this first one more so, but Text Expander. If you've never used Text Expander, I, I highly recommend you try it out. Basically, it's like a service again where you type a few key strokes, you know, whether it's uh, for me, I start all my Text Expander snippets with a semicolon. So I'll do semicolon AI William. And when I do that on my Mac, what it does is it basically pastes in whatever document I have a cursor in. Uh, basically, the show notes that I typically use for when William is on the show and all the HTML and everything is there and it's all perfect. And I do that also for our great sponsors, ones that we have continuing relationship with. I'll create snippets of text for each of those sponsors. So I put them in the article and in the podcast show notes. And I've really created a bunch of those this year. And it's just saved me a ton of time when I'm really doing anything. Even my email addresses I have as text expander snippets. So I can type three letters instead of my full email address and my email address just pops in. So text expander has been huge. And then I have finally landed on a clipboard manager that I really love. You know, we've talked about several of them. Actually, with even William on the show, we've talked about them too. I've landed on Pastebot. Pastebot is made by TapBots. They also make TweetBot, which is a great Twitter app. But Pastebot it just, it's simple. It works great. Uh, I trust the developer because, you know, he, he's a one-man show pretty much. I think he's got a couple people on his team, but but he really owns all those, the apps, and he's running those developments. And it syncs over iCloud so I can get the PaceBot on multiple Macs, and it, the syncing has been working perfectly. And uh, it's just got all the features that I love. So when it comes to a clipboard manager, I think I finally landed on PasteBot, and Text Expander has just saved me a ton of time this year. So, so those are two picks for me. Now, William, tell me, what do you hope to see in 2021? I would like to see me uh, not making the same mistakes with Text Expander. Um, I have <laughs> XEM for my email address, and um, we've got Brexit and things. I'm eligible for an Irish passport. I filled out the Irish passport form, and when it got to the, you know, the little boxes, you've got to use black ink, one letter per box to put your email address in. I hand wrote in the letters XEM, and just for that moment, <laughs> couldn't. I had to get a new form and everything. So, yeah, wow, you can get too into that. Uh, like That's next hilarious. year, easy. Yeah. I would like to see a 14-inch MacBook Pro Apple Silicon M1, please. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. That's all. I'll okay. I would slightly regret getting the one I got now, but maybe I could trade it in for a good value. But so, yeah, an M1 14-inch. I would like to see a new body style in this smaller MacBook Pro for sure. Because a 16-inch, you know, it's not a huge difference, but you do get that less bezel than the old 15-inch and everything. So that's a good pick. I'd love to see the 14-inch. And for me, i love to see a new iPad Pro. <laughs> yes, I'm ready to upgrade. I'm still rocking the 2018 version. And the battery is such, this wouldn't affect William if he had my <laughs> iPad Pro. But uh, when I edit this podcast, if I start at 90-something percent battery, it's almost at like 5% or less by the time I'm done editing an hour podcast. So the battery life and processor has, has taken a hit on my 2018. So I am more than ready for a new iPad Pro. I love to see what they do with the new Apple Silicon in that machine. And uh, I'm just excited for that particular device coming in 2021. So I'd love to see that. But, but those are our picks. William. Thanks so much for being uh, with me today and for uh, often this year. I look forward to another year of doing this with you, Wes, and the rest of the gang. Thank you. It's been fun. We should all get together, though. We should have an office podcast party oh, kind of thing. You'd be up for editing that, wouldn't you? Yeah. All of those. 
<laughs> it'd take me a little bit, but I'd yeah. be up for it. I think it'd be fun. Well, listeners, we, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to tune in next week. The episode comes out New Year's Eve, December 31st. So check that out. But you tweet at William or I. Let us know. What did you get for the holidays? Did you buy something for yourself or for family? Tweet at us. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That'll really help us out. And don't forget to check out Apple Insider Daily. It's our daily podcast with the top news headlines every day. And HomeKit Insider, where we talk about all the HomeKit and smart home device stuff that's coming out. It's a great show that comes out every Monday. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.